Well, I hope you get the idea this morning that what we do here is very, very, very serious business. This is about eternal things. It's about spiritual things. It's not about religious things. It's not about comfort and convenience. And it's about the eternal. It's about serving the Lord. What a great time of worship we had together this morning. I'm excited about what God has in store for us as we study this passage of Scripture in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. Before I get started on the passage of Scripture and before I have a word of prayer asking God to bless our time of Bible study together, I, um, I wanted to mention something to you. Pastor Jim will come at the end of the service and catch you up on all that's going on here at Avalon Church just before we dismiss, but uh, I wanted to mention to you and thank you for your participation in our partnership with Operation Give Back. The race that we've been talking about for two or three weeks now was yesterday morning. And um, Avalon Church showed up in a, in a gigantic way. As a matter of fact, last night at the uh, banquet, uh, they recognized Avalon Church as the race team who had more people there than any other race team. Yeah. Beyond that, they recognized Avalon Church as the race team who raised more money than any other race team. I'm not even going to mention Orlando Baptist Church. It's, it's embarrassing. I did reply to Pastor Dave's email with something to the effect of, you're, you're obviously better at writing emails than you are at motivating your people to... Um, church family, thank you. Uh, let me say one word and then I want to pray. Uh, our responsibility in regard to our participation is really not ended. We must now pray that God would use what you gave to bring many people into the kingdom. That as a result, many people would come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Ultimately, there's nothing more important than that. We, let's pray together that God would use that in the lives of people to give them eternal life. Take away their sins. Let me pray for our Bible study if you would let me. Jesus, I sense in my spirit that what you want us to get this morning is your heart, your perspective, how our gathering together this morning is, is very serious business to you. So I ask, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us, that we might sense your heart on this matter. I pray that you would speak, that it would be your voice that we hear. And that it would change us. Not to make us more comfortable, but so that through our lives you receive glory and honor and praise. Give us your perspective. Help us to see it the way you see it. And I thank you in advance for doing that, and I pray this prayer in your name. Amen. 
Okay, hey, uh, let me say one other word. Michael Higgins, thank you, brother, for being the driving force behind our participation with OG, OGB. And uh, you made so much of that happen. I'm grateful for you and Lucy as well. Thank you for that. All right, look, we're in the sixth chapter of John, the Gospel of John. We've been here in John now for, I don't know, what's it been, three months or, or even more than that. I, I want you to see this morning this incredible consistency that we see in the writings of John and, and what they mean to us in, in our lives. It's a great place to start um, to, in, in understanding how much Jesus loves us. That, 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 that's a great place to start. And, and it's not just a knowledge of that, but an experience of that, and, and an experience of how His love is expressed in our lives. He loves you. You've heard this said before. It's true. He loves you just the way you are. He loves you perfectly. He can't love you more than he does right now. He can't love you less than he does right now. His love for you is not, is not contingent upon, it's not resting on your, your lifestyle or your work or what you do or what you don't do. He just loves you and he loves you that way all the time. And you've heard it said that he loves you so much that he it's not his desire to leave you the way you are, but to involve himself in your life so that he might mold you and shape you into his own image, into the very image of Jesus, that he involves himself in our life so that we become more and more and more and more like Jesus. And there's a purpose behind that conformity, that transformation that's taking place in each of our lives, and that is so that that there is a light shined on Him. So that through our lives, people would see Him. That through our lives, He is exalted. That through our lives, He receives praise and honor. That He receives glory. That through our lives, His kingdom is, is forefront. His kingdom is built and His kingdom grows. He loves you so much just the way you are, and yet He loves you so much that He doesn't desire that you stay the way you are. He desires that He involves Himself in your life to transform you and to mold you and to shape you. And so the question becomes, how are you doing with that? Do you sense that there's a change? Are you different today than last Sunday? Are you different today than this Sunday, this Second Sunday, third Sunday in May, a year ago. Are you different? Are you changing? Are you growing? Jesus cares about that. And Jesus offers us tests so that we can examine and so that we can evaluate ourselves. We see this in His earthly ministry. We see this in His involvement with the disciples. We see this in His involvement with the crowds that followed Him. We, we, have, we have gone through the Gospel of John and we have seen Jesus as He's been involved in people's lives and now we've made our way to the sixth chapter of, of the Gospel of John and last week we talked about the feeding of the 5,000. And it's an interesting verse in me in John chapter 6 and verse 6. Let me just read that to you. This is what we studied last week. He says, uh, um, John writes that Jesus 
who had asked about how in the world are we going to feed all these people. Verse 6, it says, he said this to test Philip, who he had asked. He himself knew what he would do. He asked this question, what in the world are we going to do? We have this, this gigantic need. We have so little resource. Here is a situation in our lives. Well, he had set all of this up. This was a test. It says plainly in Scripture that this was a test. And then if we, we looked at this account in the, in the Gospel of Mark and the 50th through the 52nd verse, and let me just read that to you. It won't be on the screen. This is... Um, this, this moves forward to Jesus walking on the water, which, by the way, the feeding of the 5,000 and the miracle of walking on the water really is just one story. It's not two separate stories. He's fed the 5,000. They've had a little time together. The disciples are in a boat. They're in the middle of a storm. They're scared out of their wits, and they see Jesus walking on the water. It says in verse 50, they all saw him, and they were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. Listen to verse 52. For they did not understand about the loaves. The test that Jesus had given them in regard to the feeding of the 5,000 was a test that they had failed. They didn't understand what he was trying to convey to them and to teach them in this incredible miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. He gives us tests in our lives. Some of you know that right now you're in the middle of a difficult circumstance, and I want you to have a perspective, the same perspective that Jesus has on that, that He is simply trying to get you to evaluate how you're doing in the spiritual journey of being changed by Him. Of being transformed by Him. He's not unaware. As a matter of fact, He's using this circumstance in your life so that you can evaluate where you're at spiritually, because spiritually is what it's all about. If we begin to evaluate the physical, the moment, the circumstance, we'll miss out on what Jesus wants to teach us. Tests are for us, not for Jesus. Jesus knows where we're at. It's for us to understand where we're at in this spiritual journey. Ultimately, what is He trying to teach us? When we talk about this spiritual journey and being conformed, what is it that He's trying to accomplish in our lives? This is where I really sensed what God wanted me to share with you this morning. It wasn't just taking this incredible miracle of Jesus walking on the water and breaking that down and seeing how that applies to our life today, but to look at a, a, a bigger picture. What is He trying to teach us? And I find this, as I said earlier, I find this incredible consistency in the Gospel of John. It's as if there's the same lesson over and over and over and over again. And here's what I think that He wants us to get this morning. He wants us to see the difference between the physical and the spiritual. 
That's, that's the evaluation he wants us to, to, um, to glean. That's, the, that's what he's trying to get us to see. How are we doing in our appropriation of our understanding of the physical realm and the spiritual realm? I say that there's this incredible consistency here. Because I see it through all that we've studied to this point. He uses two questions to evaluate, to test. The first question is for the disciples. Let's say for, for, for um, our sakes this morning, it's for the believer. It's, it's for the Christian. And, and, and he uses this test. and he, It's a test that he asks them during this storm, during this uh, on the Sea of Galilee, in the boat, and the waves are high, and, and he asks her a question, how do we break through our fears? How do we deal with our, our fears? What are we afraid of? W- when, we, when we are overcome with fear, what is our response to that? We see later on in this passage of Scripture that we look at this morning that he asks the crowd. He has a question for the crowd. Those who are following him because of what he does rather than who he is. And he asks them this question, what is it that that you're working for? What what is it that you're about? What drives you? What motivates you? Why are you here, maybe, is the way he asks that question. That's for the crowd. The, The answer to the both of those questions lies in how we view who He is and how we view who we are in Him. Both of those questions has to do with the spiritual versus the physical. The the eternal versus the temporal. Are we about the moment? Are we about the circumstance? Is is, Is that what is driving us? Is that what we want addressed? Is that where we want to see Him work? This this place that I'm at. He's put you in that place so that you can evaluate whether or not that circumstance, that situation, is something that you're going to allow to impact you temporally or eternally. Physically or spiritually. John wants to teach us that difference and he wants us to take the understanding of that difference and apply it in our lives and he wants to do that today. It's worth our time to kind of go back and see how Jesus has consistently taught this lesson over and over and over again to those he ministered to 2,000 years ago and to those who he ministers to this morning. To you. To us. Chapter 1, right from the beginning, and John makes it very, very clear that in this physical world, the spiritual came and entered, and, and the world did not recognize the spiritual. Why? Because they were so focused on the moment. They were so focused on what was happening today. They were so focused on their circumstances. Here comes the spiritual. Here comes the light into the darkness. And they couldn't see it. And the reason that they couldn't see it is the same reason that many of you can't see Him this morning. 
Because you're focused on what's going on right now. Jesus is saying it's bigger than that. It's more important than that. I care about what's going on right now. But the way to address that is not to be all about the moment. It's to have this eternal kind of perspective on it. Then chapter 1 continues and we see John the Baptist's testimony and basically what his testimony was is this. Look, y'all getting the wrong idea about who I am. I baptize with water. There's one coming who baptizes with the Spirit. I'm I'm paving the way for the one who's going to change everything. It's no longer going to be physical. It's no longer going to be religion. It's going to be spiritual. It's going to be relationship. Everything's going to change. Even in the choosing of the disciples in that latter part of chapter 1, especially the choosing of Peter and the choosing of Nathaniel and the way Jesus involves Himself in their lives and they come to Him and they've got in their mind, what does this mean to me today? What am I going to have to do? What am I going to have to sacrifice? What is this going to cost me? How is this going to change me today? And Jesus is not thinking about today. He's thinking about eternity. And He begins to speak with them. And they begin to see that this is bigger than the moment. And they follow Him. And then in chapter 2 at the wedding, do you remember Jesus' mother comes to Jesus and she says, hey, here's a problem. Here's a physical need. And Jesus' response to that was, that really doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm about the spiritual. What you're asking me to do is address a physical need. Did he care about it? Well, he addressed it. (laughs) But he wanted to be sure that we understood that he's about the big picture. He's about eternity. Even in the cleansing of the temple. Later in chapter 2, he uh, makes a mess and causes a scene. And the religious rulers, they come to him. And and they ask him questions that have to do with the moment, with the physical. And he answers them with the spiritual. Who do you think you are, they said. What what evidence is there that, that you have the authority to do this? And his answer was, you can tear the place down and in three days I'll build it back up. What's he talking about? Is he talking about the physical? He's talking about the spiritual. Then in chapter 3, in Nicodemus, they talk about a a physical birth and a spiritual birth. They talk about a physical experience and a spiritual experience. Later in chapter 3, again in John the Baptist's testimony, John the Baptist wants us to understand that Jesus is different, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is eternal. And he says it this way, hey, What's from above is from above. What's from the earth is from the earth. And Jesus is from above. And there's that distinction again. In chapter 4, we see in the Samaritan woman, Jesus says in verse 13 of chapter 4, I have water that when you take it, you'll never thirst again. Is that the physical? No. It's the spiritual, and he's trying to get us to see that. And then he begins to talk about worship. And he says, look, worship is not physical. It's not where you worship. 
It's spiritual. It's who you worship. It's how you worship. That worship is not, it's not for the consumer. Worship is not for the one who shows up and says, entertain me. Worship is for the one who comes in here and says, this is not about me. It's about Him. It's not about the moment. It's about eternity. It's not about the physical. It's about the spiritual. It's about Him. And He teaches us that in His interaction with the Samaritan woman. It's the difference between the physical and the spiritual. We've seen it in chapter 1 and in chapter 2 and in chapter 3 and here in chapter 4. We see it again. In the 48th verse of that chapter is when Jesus heals the official son. This is an official from King Herod's court. He makes it clear. My priority is not about the physical. He says, the crowds that are here, they, they believe because they see signs. They believe because they know I can, but they don't believe because they know who I am. I'm about the spiritual. They're about the physical. They're about comfort. They're about convenience. They care about the moment. They care about the physical. I'm about the spiritual. Did Jesus care about the official son? Absolutely. He healed him. But what drives him is eternity. In chapter 5, the healing of the lame man. 38 years he had been lame, but Jesus goes to him and heals him. And the Pharisees get all upset and they bring charges against Jesus. Jesus' response is, my father's at work and so I'm at work too. Jesus' response is, look, it's not about the lame man. It's not about the moment. It's not about the physical. It's about the spiritual. It's not about the law in regard to the Sabbath. It's not about that. This is a, a new and better way. I've come to fulfill the law. It's not about the moment. It's about eternity and what God wants to do. Verses 30-47 through 47 is Jesus teaching us all about this new and better way. This new covenant. He says, I am the one. I am the Messiah. I am the one that you've been waiting for. I fulfill the law. It's spiritual. It's not physical. It's relationship. It's not religion. Then we get to chapter 6, and again, I tell you, this one incredible story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and walking on the water tests the beginning of the third year of His ministry. And I, I, I think it's at a, at a time when Jesus wants to say, look, you need to understand and you need to know how you're doing. I, I know how you're doing, but you need to know how you're doing. And so we're going we're gonna to go through this experience of, the, of feeding the 5,000 and this experience of you being terrified on the Sea of Galilee so that maybe you can begin to understand how you're doing in this journey. Many of you are there this morning. Glean from it where you're at in the journey. You can tell by the way you respond to the difficulty, to the inconvenience, to the uncomfort, to the pain, to the fear. It's what Jesus wants you to see this morning. He cares about it. 
But he wants us to get the big picture. The Bible says that after the feeding of the 5,000 and after the disciples and Jesus had a very, very, very brief time together, it says in the Gospel of Mark that he makes them get into the boat. He puts them in a, in a situation where they can begin to understand how they're doing in their relationship with him, how they're doing in this idea of the spiritual. I, I believe that he, he wanted to teach them about, about the value of his presence and and how His presence brings about the spiritual in our lives. That when we acknowledge His presence, when we, when we give place to His presence in our lives, that it brings us into the spiritual realm. And, and the way we view everything changes. They're in the middle of this lake. There's this storm. Here's what the Bible says. They were terrified. And it says they were terrified because they didn't learn the lesson of the loaves. They didn't understand who He was. They didn't understand His power. They didn't understand His love. They didn't understand His presence. They didn't understand His involvement. They didn't understand what He wanted to do and what He was trying to accomplish. So they're in the middle of the lake and, and they see Jesus and they continue to be terrified. They thought it was a ghost. They weren't sure who it was. And Jesus gives the one command that we see more often than any other command in Scripture. And here's the command... Don't be afraid. It's me. And Jesus' presence into the boat. And they begin to experience the reality of Jesus' presence. I believe He's trying to teach us that that is a key to understanding the difference between the spiritual and the physical. Experiencing His presence in their lives. Maybe that's what He would have you learn this morning. Then, we get to verses 26 in chapter 6. Things have settled down a little bit. They've had the feeding of the 5,000. They've had this incredible experience in the Sea of Galilee. The disciples are with Him. The crowd has followed Him and found Him. The Bible says they sought Him out. and Now they're kind of around. I, I want you to remember the the busyness of this time, the things that had preceded these events. They had just learned about the death of John the Baptist and how he had died. and They had just had their ministry time alone, their solo flight that Jesus had sent them out on. The feast of the Passover was, was just around the corner. They would be preparing to go to Jerusalem. It was an incredibly busy time. Jesus is always about the eternal and He's always about the spiritual. And He says to them in verse 26, I say to you, truly, truly, I say to you, you got to get this. This is really important. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking Me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of your fill of the loaves. What is that? Physical, Right? That's why they're after him. That's why they're following him. It's, it's, it's what he does to them in the moment. The circumstance. Do not labor for the food that perishes. Don't let that be what your life is about. But for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, which Jesus Himself will minister to you, which Jesus Himself will provide for you. 
On Him, God the Father has set the seal. They said to Him, well, they're still confused. Are you? Are you? They said to Him, so what, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God, that, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. That you, that you believe Me. You mean, that's it? Yeah. Believe who I am. These things have I written so that you might believe that Jesus is God. And in believing, you might have, have life abundant. You might have eternal life. Believe. This is the work that you're called to. How does this work out in our lives? How does this manifest it in our lives? What does this look like in our lives? It's this... It's, it's, it's this sense that, that Jesus is real, that, that what He says is true, that, that it is about the eternal, not the moment. It's, it's giving myself to Him. It's allowing Him to consume me. It's, it's my identity. This isn't one of those, uh, a little bit of the physical and a little bit of the spiritual. This is all the spiritual. This isn't setting the spiritual aside so that I can go to work, work on Monday morning so that I can have my physical needs met. Does Jesus care about the physical? Yes, yes, yes. He healed the lame man. He changed the water into wine. He healed the official son. He cares about the physical. But as long as the physical doesn't consume us, as long as the physical does not overtake the spiritual. Look, Jesus Himself said, why do you worry about these things? I'm, I'm aware of your need. I take care of the birds. Surely I'll take care of you. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then these things shall be added unto you. Spiritual, physical. I say that there's this consistency in the Gospel of John. You know what? It's really consistent throughout the entire Scriptures. Genesis to Revelation. They're, they're constantly, the people are constantly being called to make a decision. Choose today whom you will serve. The physical or the spiritual? The temporal or the eternal? Choose today. It's in there. Genesis to Revelation. I don't want you to be lukewarm. You're, when you're lukewarm, it just it, 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 I get nauseous about that, Jesus says. Be hot or be cold. Don't be lukewarm. Constantly calling us. This belief. What does it look like? Well, it's not temporal. It's not a, a single act. It's this, it's this constant attitude. I know who He is. I believe who He is. He's with me. He walks with me. There's no accidents, chance, or coincidence in my relationship with Jesus. He's aware of my need. I worship Him. This is about Him. It's about His kingdom. It's about eternity. It's about the spiritual. It's about me being changed. That's not a, that's not a single thing. It's this constant attitude that we develop on the spiritual journey. And He gives us tests to see how we're doing with that. It's not about how we trust or, or how, 
how our, our trust is manifest in our deeds. It's about who we trust. It's about Him. It's a focus on Him. It's a surrender to Him. It's a giving our whole lives and whole selves, everything that we are, everything that we have, it's to Him. It's not about a balance between God's work and my work. It's abandoning my work for His work. It's giving myself wholly and totally to Him. This is just the beginning. In our study of the Gospel of John, this beginning of the third year of Jesus' ministry, you know what? It's starting to get really, really serious. For two years and some months, the crowds have been following Him. Begging Him for another miracle. Begging Him to meet their physical need. Don't miss next Sunday. Because Jesus begins to get serious with them. Jesus begins to speak truth in a very, very clear way. And the Bible says, many of them left. What will you do? Please be back next Sunday as we, we break this down a little bit further. That's a general thought, right? Physical or spiritual? Temporal or eternal? The moment? We're going to delve into that next Sunday. It's challenging to me. It'll be challenging to you. Today, I think it's enough to ask, how'd you do on your test? What was your grade? Is there room for improvement? And what will you do about that? I invite you to stand. Everybody standing. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, you've convinced me this is serious business. This is worthy of more than my spare time. It's worthy of more than my pocket change. It's worthy of more than my comfort and convenience. This is about eternity. This is about You. Lord, I'm not real pleased with my grade. Maybe this week will be different. Maybe I'll respond better this week. Maybe when I look at this again in seven days that I'll go, well, I did better. I did better. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I did better. That's my heart, Lord. Do that kind of work in me. Do that kind of work in your people who stand before you today. The fear is not about the circumstance. It's not about the moment about whether or not we're experiencing the reality of your love and presence in our lives that's what it's about when you got in the boat the fear went away when you got in the boat the storm ceased totally different perspective when you're in the boat open up your heart would you this morning and allow Jesus to do what he wants to do in your life 
That's my prayer for you.